Alright, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the fifth and long podcast, newly monikered, uh, with Patrick DeMar, yours truly, as well as the commissioner, Mr. Paul Kashak, uh, episode two of our fall 2023 edition of the show. Uh, Paul, we uh, we couldn't have been more wrong on most things that we talked about in our first podcast, <laughs> things we were looking for, teams that we were high on, uh, some folks proved us wrong. Uh, over the weekend but overall I think we've got a lot to talk about today some baseball stuff some football stuff um, fantasy mixed in as well Uh, let's just hit it right off the bat with I think the team that we were the most excited to bet on last week and and the team that uh, we were the most impressed with it was actually a baseball team it's Philadelphia Phillies they were up 2-0 in the NLCS when we last spoke Um, now the Phillies don't exist more or less. Uh, they just lost to the Diamondbacks last night in game seven um, at home. Nonetheless, an incredible Cinderella story comeback for the Diamondbacks. I, I'm, I'm shook. I was shook last night. I'm still shook. I can't believe it happens. Um, I'm not a Phillies fan or anything, but I don't think anybody expected that. Not, certainly not us. No, I, it was uncanny how, how inaccurate we were last week. So I hope that that's not a trend going forward. I hope that we can give some some good advice to people, both betting wise and just in general about sports. But I think anybody who tuned into the podcast last week thinks that we don't know uh, know what we're talking about. Which I, I hope that we we nix that notion. But yeah, Philadelphia. I, I certainly had I had them pegged to win the whole thing. I think I said that last week on the podcast as well. Not only to sweep the series, which they didn't sweep it, they didn't even win it. They blow a 2-0 lead. Then they blow a 3-2 lead going back home, which I thought was even more more crazy. That's going yeah, back arguably. to Citizens Bank, I thought was a death sentence. Credit to the Diamondbacks, man. They got a lot of young players that were integral reasons why they won this, this series. We can talk about them in a little bit. I'd like to touch on a few. But incredibly resilient squad. <laughs> yes, yeah, starting off the uh, that's 0-1, not the greatest. But... We got, we're going to have to do podcasts for quite a while to come. So I'm not too worried about it. We'll get that record back up over 500. Yeah. We got plenty more chances to get things right. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I didn't even really, I guess I was going more off from our last podcast, but you're right. They did blow that three, two series lead at home as well, which arguably that's even more, um, that's an even tougher pill to swallow um, for sure. I, I think you're right on that. Um, also the, the Detroit lions, I was really hyping up as a possible best team in the NFC. They got absolutely boat rushed, boat raced by, by the Ravens. It was bad. 38 to six. That game was over by the end of the first quarter, more or less. Uh, the bills beat the Patriots. I was talking about how bad the Patriots were going to be that there was no way in hell they were going to beat the bills and that it was probably going to be a blowout. Somehow the bills end up choking that game multiple times and the Patriots win it. Pats almost gave it back to him in the end but um ultimately we, uh mac jones and mike kasicki connected on that game winning touchdown you mentioned a few other teams too right i, I think you had the bucks and sure did i had i had three teams that i highlighted as my surprise team so to speak or teams that i was high on based on the the first third of the season if you will first team i talked about was the dolphins who 
I think that if the ball bounces a couple different ways in that game against Philadelphia, it's a little bit closer. Tyreek Hill dropped what would have been a touchdown to, I think, tie it at that point. They were down 24-17, then went for it, didn't get it. Philadelphia capitalized and ended up winning that game 31-17. The interesting thing about the Dolphins is they've had they have two losses on the year, and those two losses are to the only winning teams, winning record teams that they've played so far this year in Buffalo and Philadelphia. Their five wins are against teams that are now sub 500. So a little bit interesting there. They probably haven't faced the toughest portion of their schedule yet. And maybe that five and two record is quite as strong as we thought a week ago. I still think that there's so much talent on the team that they'll be okay. And the fact that Buffalo had that bad loss to you guys over the weekend still gives me a little bit of confidence that they can win that division. But I don't know if you saw, I just saw this report earlier Today, the Tyreek Hill missed practice today, dealing with a, a hip injury. Yeah, he's questionable some for this the, week. The, some, so yeah, some of the tweets and reports that I saw are a little bit concerning. Tua said something like, we'll get him back soon enough. Yeah, just the verbiage that they use indicated that he might be gone or might be out maybe more than this week. So that's something big to keep an eye on there. I was pretty discouraged with Miami. I'll touch on the other two teams uh, quickly. The Bucks. I mean, that one kind of shocked me. They're at home to Atlanta. Granted, it's a division game, but they lose that one to Desmond Ritter and company. And yeah. Bijan Robinson, who arguably is their best player, you could say, even though he's he's young, he's only played a handful of NFL games. He doesn't even play in that game due to some sort of mysterious illness that I know probably really perturbed a lot of our fantasy managers out there because that wasn't listed on the injury report or or anything like that, but he's out and Atlanta still finds a way to go and beat Tampa Bay on the road. I think that that division is just going to be one where we flip flop on what team we think is going to win it like each week. Obviously Carolina is excluded for that just based on how they've started, but I think we're going to go back and forth between the saints bucks and Falcons in that division for basically the rest of the year. Yeah. I mentioned then, the, the yeah. books too last week saying just, I felt like they, I remember touching on how, how many pieces they had left over from the Super Bowl and Baker was looking good and they came out and right. just laid an absolute dud. The Falcons outplayed them without their best player and with Ritter at quarterback who really isn't that good. That I mean, that was an awful game to watch. I don't but know if you he, tuned he, in. I didn't watch any of it, but if you look at, at his stat line, he was actually solid in that game. He was 19 and 25, I think 250 yards. I mean, it's a pretty good completion percentage right there. I know he's been up and down on the year, but Tampa Bay didn't really slow him down too much. It certainly allowed him to do the minimum of what he needed to do to get that win. It's an ugly 19 of 25. Go back and watch it. I promise. Yeah. It's, it's I'll have it's to watch ugly, the film. <laughs> it's an ugly 19 of 25. Yeah. Uh, the other team we hit on actually was the Rams and they suffered a loss at hit on him. to your Steelers. Um, that was one of my favorite games I watched over the weekend. It was very closely contested on both sides um the rams came out firing your steelers that was probably the best their offense has looked so far this year uh not that like it's a well-oiled machine but there were signs of improvement there with getting deontay johnson back harris got going a little bit more in the running game um yeah man i you know a rough first week of predictions and and teams that we were really high on but that's that's how sports go there's highs there's lows it's a long season in the nfl so uh, I'm sure that 
it won't be the last time that we miss on a few things, but uh, there were some other things that I think we did hit on pretty well. The Steelers, I was actually high on. I picked them to cover in LA and they did. They won 24, 17. Um, I mean, talked up Puka Nakua as well. Puka, Puka Nakua had one hell of a game. I think he had like eight for 159. I, I gave him a shout out last week. So that was the only thing that made me look somewhat intelligent last week. I love watching Puka play. That guy's so good. Great name too. Love saying his name, man. Puka yeah. Nakua. I can say it. I can say it all podcast long. It has a rhyme to it. <laughs> yeah. Very unique. Um, let's go back to baseball. We're, we're both baseball boys at heart. Um, we played on the club baseball team over at University of South Carolina. For anybody that doesn't know us, uh, that's how we met. That's how this podcast came to fruition. Um, the World Series is closely upon us. We've got the Texas Rangers and the Arizona Diamondbacks squaring off. Um, two Southwest teams. I don't. I can't think of the last time we had two Southwest teams. I, I guess Dodgers Astros would count, but I think of Phoenix as a different. I, I don't group uh, Arizona in with LA quite as much, mainly because I think of uh, LA and California as like a whole different country sometimes, but um, we got a five seed and a six seed facing off against each other. Neither of these teams won their divisions. It's a little bit of a different backstory coming in because the Rangers uh, had so much hype coming into the year where, where I don't think anybody was picking the Diamondbacks to, to be even close to this stage, uh, the postseason pre preseason. Both teams had a hundred plus losses two years ago as well. Um, drastic turnarounds. Uh, Texas invested a lot into their core over the last few years, and, and it's definitely paid off. Um, how do you feel about this matchup? Are, are you excited to watch these teams play? Do you wish uh, we got somebody else? What What are you thinking? Uh, you know what? I, I hate to play the game where, oh, it's it's not exciting. It's not as exciting enough of a matchup. You know, I I like this matchup as much as any. Um, I like getting to see the talent that I typically don't get to see. Uh, you know, I don't get a chance to watch the Diamondbacks on, you know, a night in and night out basis. They've got some some young guys that I've become more familiar with over the past couple of weeks as they've made this run. So, you know, for that reason, I'm I'm extremely excited for it. The Rangers, I think, are very deserving to be here. Uh, all the props to them would, would have been even cooler if Jacob deGrom or would have been able to stay healthy and we could have seen him pitch. But I'm happy it wasn't Astros-Phillies uh, again. I was rooting for it to not to not be a repeat matchup. I think we've, we've seen Houston on this stage so much. I think we needed some uh, Philadelphia. Just, I don't know, being a Pittsburgh fan, I just kind of hope that the other team, other major sports city in the state of Pennsylvania doesn't have success. So the two teams I was rooting for in the NLCS and ALCS both won. And in that sense, I'm, I'm happy with the match. I'm content with it. I think there will be some baseball, some casual baseball fans, and, and even some folks um, who really watch and pay attention to the sport that will say this isn't a great matchup, that it's it's boring or what have you, and, and it's bad for the sport. But I think it's good to get those different markets, uh, opportunities and in the postseason, certainly in championship season. I mean, it's not like Texas was a stranger to it. They had some great teams uh, in the, I think was, I think those, it was uh, probably like the early 2010s. Yeah, they early lost, 2010s. 2010 uh, was lost, that loss to San Francisco they lost, in the World Series. 2011 they lost to the Cardinals, in 2010 right? to San Francisco. And then 2011 was the, uh, the David Freeze year for St. Louis, uh, where the Cardinals came back from down 3-2 in that I don't know if you buy into the rumor that Nelson Cruz was playing a little bit 
shallower in right field because he didn't want to be the last man to the to the celebration on the infield. And David Freeze hits it over his head for a triple to tie up game six. And then ultimately Freeze hit a home run in extra innings to win it. And then the Cardinals went on to route him in game seven. They lost back-to-back series in 10 and 11. That's crazy. But... Yeah, that I mean, that series between the Cardinals and Rangers will go down as one of the best, certainly of this um, like recent era of World Series. It's, it's certainly one of the ones that I still think about. Um, I think the Diamondbacks, obviously, they had their historic 2001 win. They they haven't been back to the World Series since. So for Phoenix, this is pretty awesome uh, moment. It, it, I mean, you look at the – I remember some of the NLCS tickets. I think Game 3 were selling for, like, less than $20. You think about that, that's insane, the fact that that team's now playing for a World Series. Um, in Phoenix, they were. In, in Citizens Bank, I think they were going for, like, 300 minimum. Right, it's just right. the juxtaposition there. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I I feel like these two teams are totally different in terms of construction. Of like you have the Rangers who brought in guys like Seager and, and Simeon for a ton of money. They brought in Bruce Bochy, the old school manager who's been there, done that. Like they pretty much made you could see the line of decision making going back to a couple of years ago where they were saying, we're trying to put ourselves in a position to contend two, three years from now. And, and now they're in that exact spot. So I think that speaks volumes to how much effort goes in major league baseball, like how much just putting in effort to trying to be competitive could take you. Whereas you have other teams like the Oakland athletics, you've got, um, I mean, I mean the Cincinnati Reds just got back into it this year, but you've got the Orioles who are going to have a lot of guys coming up in the next few years on contracts. And we don't know if they're going to pay those guys. We don't know if they're going to extend them. Um, my Boston Red Sox just basically took like three years off <laughs> because of salary cap, because uh, of financial reasons, which has never been an issue for us before. So I think that um, hits to that point. But also on, on the flip side, you've got the Diamondbacks who have some veteran journeyman guys, Christian Walker, uh, to name one, as well as uh, you've got guys like Ketel Marte, who who's a potential franchise cornerstone. You've got Corbin Carroll, a young guy, Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly. Um, it's not quite as like a sexy team name. It's nobody. Uh, those aren't they don't have they aren't filled with sexy names. Right. It's not a team that's going to jump out off the pages at you, but they're grinding out wins and they. They're a good baseball team to watch. Like I, I enjoyed watching them figure out a way to beat Philly. They deserved it every single every single bit of those wins. Um, yeah, and and they've got they've gotten to this point. You know, you talked about the Rangers, and they've gone out and they've spent, and they've acquired some big name talent. And then you talked about the the names that aren't as recognizable on the Diamondback side. They're twenty first in payroll. Arizona is, and Texas is ninth this year. So it's a juxtaposition in in the strategy, not just the, the type of names out there, but you talked about how they built the roster. You mentioned guys like Corbin Carroll. I'm sure we're going to talk about him a little bit more coming up here. The Diamondbacks have supplemented with guys that they've either acquired through trades or have come up through their system. And the Rangers have gone out and gotten guys in free agency. So it's a nice battle of conflicting styles. And I, I don't know, I've heard people argue both sides of uh, is it proof that you don't really need to go out and pay a lot, uh, pay a lot of guys and, and go out and get one of the top payrolls in baseball because of what Arizona's doing? I, I don't know. I think I think we'll see at the end of this World Series what trumps all, but I'm sure we'll get into picks in a little bit. But 
Yeah, it's the craziest part about Arizona to me is that two of their best players really didn't even play that well. They had Zach Gallen, who a lot of people would consider to be, um, if not the front runner for the NL Cy Young, one of them. I know Blake Snell has got a really good case to make as well in the NL. He had an incredible uh, second half to the season plus. Um, but Gallen and his start in Philly, didn't he, he, didn't he give up like 10 rounds or something in game two? And then, well, he was part of that big blowout game. And then uh, he didn't pitch all that well in game five either when they lost. I think um, his ERA is over five for the postseason. His ERA in the NLCS alone was at 7.36 over two games. He pitched 11 innings. He gave up nine earned runs. Um, Corbin Carroll hitting over the series. He hit like just above 200. He hit 222 over 27 at bats. So it's not like they were beating you with their one, two punch. Really. That is what kind of gives me hope for the diamondbacks. I feel like they're not even really playing their best baseball as a team. Like, even though that sounds dumb to say, even though they just beat the Phillies, but the reality of it is like they can play another level higher than they're playing right now. And I think they could figure out a way to win if they can maybe just avoid pitching to Adelise Garcia a few times because he is unbelievably hot right now, like scorching hot. Yeah, but you mentioned Corbin Carroll, and I know that those overall numbers don't really pop out to you, but uh, the quality of at-bats was definitely there. I oh, really yeah. wanted to highlight I mentioned this in the opening segment. I really wanted to highlight one particular at-bat of his Last night, when they're up 3-2, I think it's the seventh inning at this point, yep. and he's facing a left-on-left matchup, and forgive me, I forget the uh, the Phillies pitcher who was out there, but he swings and misses through two 100-mile-an-hour fastballs that are inner third of the plate. He looks overpowered, looks overmatched, just stabs at another 100-mile-an-hour fastball below the zone, hangs in there for another pitch or two, and then gets the exact same pitch that he's swung and missed on in the first two pitches that and he's able to get just a man on third they had second and third and one out at that point that's a professional at bat that's a veteran at bat he was delivering at bats like that throughout the course of the series i thought so i his overall numbers might not jump out to you on paper but absolutely an integral reason why they won uh i believe he had two, at least two hits last night had the sack fly it's a huge insurance run and ultimately that was all the diamondbacks ended up needing to hold on and win that game so uh, I, I had to give him a shout out for that. I bet I was super impressed, especially left on left. He's done a great job. They've said in the off season working, working to improve against left-handed pitching in particular. And it's showing. Yeah. Corbin Carroll, uh, future is bright with that guy. I, I've heard a lot of people compare him to uh, a young Mike Trout in terms of the numbers and the impact that he had on the Diamondbacks early in the season. Um, some of those comparisons that tapered off a little bit as the season went on, but you're, you're right. He's a huge part of the reason he's a huge reason why the diamondbacks uh, have the opportunity now that they have to win a world series. Um, if I had to pick a winner for this series, um, I, I think most people will pick the Rangers and I feel like that's definitely the safe pick. I mean, they've got, um, just a bevy of, of arms to throw at, the Diamondbacks, so did the Phillies. So, so maybe that's, that's a case against them. Uh, but the Rangers are hitting really well across the board. They've got the managerial experience and Bochi 
I feel like it's it's I want to I want to root for Arizona. I would love for them to win. At this point, they've definitely uh, won my heart over. But I feel like I would be remiss if I did not pick the Rangers as my favorites. I'm going to go with uh, Rangers in six. Um, I think it'll be a great series, very competitive. But ultimately, I, I would give Texas the edge. Uh, I, I kind of like Rangers in six, too. I, Rangers would definitely be my pick, so I guess we should be crowning Arizona as our World Series champion in 2023. <laughs> I was just thinking, <laughs> are we going to jinx the Rangers, too? I, I think Arizona's got a path to win. Gallon needs to be a lot better. Merrill Kelly needs to be good. And then uh, Brandon Fott needs to keep pitching the way he did in the NLCS. That was another huge, huge jinx. On my part, I called him out. I said he was going to have a poor game three, and ultimately that would would do the D-backs in. He had nine strikeouts in that game, and then he came back for game seven last night with seven Ks and four and two-thirds. So phenomenal pitching from him. Huge reason why Arizona ended up coming back in the series. If he can deal like that and provide a, a viable third option for Arizona – that could be a separator in this series. Uh, I think that he has to pitch to the level he did in the NLCS for the Diamondbacks to win this one. It's going to be interesting because uh, Texas is going to come with just as much firepower. If you see the way Adolis Garcia has been hitting Corey Seager this postseason, so it's going to be a tall order for sure. But it's the only way I think I can see Arizona pulling this one out. Otherwise, yeah, I think Texas is going to take home their first World Series trophy in, in franchise history. It's exciting. Um, I think either way, um, you've got a different World Series champion. You kind of touched on that earlier. It definitely got a little bit repetitive the last few years with it always feeling like it's the Astros or it's the Dodgers or, or maybe it's the Braves. Well, no, it's not. It's the Phillies. Um, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what comes next for the teams that fell short. Uh, especially the Astros, now that Dusty Baker has announced his retirement. Um, Dusty's one of the most uh, winningest managers in MLB history. He's one of my favorites. Um, just a quality guy. He got his first World Series trophy last year. Follows that up, coming a little bit short this year. Now he's stepping away from uh, at least a head coaching role in baseball. Maybe he finds a home uh, somewhere else in, in some other capacity. Um, I feel like the Astros will i would be interested to see if they brought brandon hinch back from uh texas because i know he was suspended obviously after the sign stealing scandal and had to leave it's not like texas is going to be or not texas uh detroit is going to be doing anything anytime soon so maybe they bring him back in just to serve the same role as he did or, or maybe that's too uh Maybe that doesn't look quite right in the public eye and they avoid it. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people have almost forgotten about the sign scaling scandal by now. Um, ultimately, they are, that far. I think it's still on people's minds. I, I think that they I don't know if it's forgotten as much as it is their their success, their continued success since that point has just kind of dulled it, if if, mm. if you will. People, right. like the fans realize out there, they're just naturally good as well. Mm. I don't necessarily think it's forgotten. It's just kind of been overshadowed, so to speak. That's a fair point. Yeah, I, I would 
I guess that's a better, uh, it's a more appropriate way of looking at it. Um, I'm the Phillies too have, have a lot of questions to answer after this year. They've put a lot of effort into bringing in star players. Uh, I know that I think Nola and Wheeler are both free agents this off season, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I know at least one of them is, I believe, I'm pretty sure Nola is, um, I'm not sure about. No, I, I'm pretty sure Zach Wheeler is as well. I, I think I remember seeing his name as a free agent. But... I think they both are. We uh, Nola 100% is, and um, yeah, so will uh, so will Wheeler be? Or no, Wheeler's got one more year. Wheeler's on the books for 2024 as well. Um, so he'll be around for one more year. But Nola, that's that's been their ace. Um. Bryce Harper, I mean, he's the leader of that team, unquestionably. Do you bring in more help around him? I mean, you brought in Trey Turner last year. You brought in Schwarber the year before that. Maybe you make some moves. Maybe you move on from some guys. Um, I don't really know what, what the answer is. As long as Dave Dombrowski is there in Philadelphia, they're, they're going to be trying to make moves to, to bring a championship to the city. So I would say they're, they're still not far away. Don't be surprised if the Phillies are one of the last couple of teams standing uh, when we get to this point next year as well, that wouldn't surprise me whatsoever. I like that call. I don't think, I don't think the uh, Philly's gone down without a fight. So I don't, it certainly doesn't give me the impression that they would just be scrapping things. Right. Exactly. Uh, all right. We got plenty more stuff to talk about today. We've got football around the corner. Uh, we're going to hit on some NFL things, obviously some fantasy football stuff as well. We, um, we had a pretty crazy weekend in a in a Paul and I's fantasy football league that that we're interested to tell you all about. Uh, but hang on, we're gonna take a break real quick. Uh, grab some pizza rolls, maybe a ice cold water if you choose. Pizza rolls. <laughs> <laughs> What's your favorite pizza rolls flavor? Like I mean, just 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 your typical like pepperoni. And I I didn't even really know pizza rolls had a flavor. I yeah, sorry if that's blasphemous. Flavors. I just kind of get the same like pepperoni pizza every time. Yeah, I, I guess yeah. They, they probably all don't taste too dissimilar, to be honest. Anyways, uh, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back with some football talk. And we're back. Uh, right off the bat, uh, we're getting into some NFL stuff from week seven, the previous week. Um, give you a slight look ahead to some week eight material as well um paul let's see we your steelers got a huge win against la um we were on opposite ends of that last week when we spoke a little bit i, I think i liked your steelers to win that game a little bit more than uh the rams we talked a little bit earlier about how close that game was um I still think the the Rams have a pathway to be in a pretty pretty solid team here. Actually, if you look at the NFC as a whole, it's it's not really um, competitive at the back ends of, of that wild card spot. So I, I think the Rams definitely still have a great shot to sneak into the playoffs. But your Steelers, man, you you guys are looking good. You got a tough division uh, in the AFC North to play in, but I'm really high on your team, and and I think you should be too. I'm waiting for you to wake up. 
Well, I, I appreciate you you giving my team some love. I, I have always and will always play the role of the pessimistic Steeler fan. Like if anybody's seen Major League, I'm the I'm the Indians fan that just keeps saying that they're gonna lose the whole time. And then when they finally win the pennant at the end of the movie, you know, he's jumping for joy. That's kind of me as a fan in a nutshell. I mean, I kind of jinxed it again where I said that the way that they're winning games is not sustainable with the turnovers. What do they do? What's the difference in the game? Ultimately, is as we open up the second half and they're trailing nine to three because Brett Maher has the yips again. TJ Watt gets an interception and he takes it down inside the Rams 10 and sets the offense up with a goal to go situation. That's the difference in the game right there. Look, the defense has a lot of talent and it's continuing to make splash plays. I just don't know how long it's going to last. They are... I think one of only two teams with a winning record now who also has a negative point differential, the other one being the Atlanta Falcons. And I don't really think anybody is classifying the Falcons as a serious threat. Kenny Pickett looked better in the second half. And I think that that's the biggest takeaway for us or the the biggest positive George Pickens looks really good. And now he does have an extra weapon weapon back with Deontay Johnson. I just, I, I'm worried, man. If those turnovers dry up, I just, I don't know. I don't know how we can manufacture wins. Offense has got to score more, but 24 points feels like 50 the way that they've been looking the past couple weeks. So I'll take it four and two. You're right. Tough division. We're going to have another tough test with Jacksonville this week. You do have a tough test with Jacksonville. They are probably the AFC South favorites as it stands right now, uh, coming into this coming week with a five and two record. Uh, the Jaguars uh, had a big win last week against the Saints as well. I, I felt pretty good about them going into that game. Um, your Steelers, your two losses came in a 30-7 to loss to the Niners in week one and then a 30-6 to loss against Houston in week four. Otherwise, you've had four wins in one touchdown uh, games, essentially, where, where a touchdown or less marked the point differential in the final score. Um, I think – you're, you'll hate that I say this, but I think that speaks to the coaching of the team. I think you guys are going to hang around till the very end of the year. I I don't know where you'll uh, stand in terms of the final division race um, with how tough that division is, and especially with how well Lamar is playing right now. Um, I, I don't think you can count on a division championship. You guys have another shot at playing them again later in the year, but Lamar, I think, is second in the NFL right now in completion percentage at over 70% completion rate. Uh, Jack Nonemacher's favorite player could be a sleeper MVP pick, and I, I don't see a reason why he shouldn't be, especially considering, uh, you know, he's been there, done that. Uh, Mahomes is going to get a lot of love, so will Hurts for the rest of the year. But Lamar, man, he's got the Ravens looking nice, especially the, uh, their defense, too, has been stellar. Uh, I don't think there's anything sleeper right now about Lamar being in the MVP race. You're right. He's uh, completing 71% of his passes. He's got 1600 yards through the air and eight touchdowns. Uh, and that's not even counting what he's done on the ground. You bring up a great point with Baltimore about their defense. And I think it's anchored by their two linebackers, Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. I think that the Ravens have been the number one. I heard that they've been the number one overall defense. Uh, I don't know if that's from a scoring perspective or a yardage perspective since they've made that trade for Roquan Smith. So definitely a unit with a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. And uh, we'll see if they make any moves at the trade deadline here. I have one of the hot trade topic guys 
uh, trade players that I think that would make perfect sense for them to acquire. We can talk about that a little bit later. But yeah, super talented team. I think they definitely looked like the the team to beat in the AFC North. Baltimore Ravens, uh, second least points allowed in the league. No, correction, least points allowed in the league. 97 points allowed. The only team with less than 100 points allowed after seven games. Seven weeks, I should say. And they have a 74 points net points or a point differential. That would be third in the NFL behind Buffalo uh, with 80 points. And then the San Francisco 49ers with 92 points. Um, all those teams uh, have the Buffalo Bills four and three, Ravens five and two, the Niners five and two. Uh, all those teams have winning records. Uh, the Bills, though, suffered a pretty rough loss to my New England Patriots over the weekend. Uh, a loss I actually was not very, a win for my team, I was not very thrilled about. Um, that actually, I, I thought that the loss to, uh, I thought that the loss to the Saints was going to be a new low for my team. And then I thought the loss for, against the Raiders was going to be a new low for me as a Patriots fan. The real new low was me getting upset that we actually won a game. Uh, so I, Really, my, my overall thoughts on that game are not how well the Patriots played. The Patriots' defense was great. Mac Jones looked better. The offense was actually cohesive, sort of. And uh, we got some guys like Pop Douglas, uh, some opportunities. Kendrick Bourne had a great game. But Buffalo looked really shaky, man. Their defense, with the injuries that they've had, is really questionable to me. Allen continues to make questionable decisions just unnecessary turnovers. It's not a new story with him. You know, it's going to be a thing that comes up in big games. I don't think you can trust them. We know that they have talent. That's not the question They're, They have the talent undoubtedly, but uh, execution at the end of the year, I, I don't see them changing the story. So I don't even know if they can win the division. I, I, I don't know if it really matters if anybody who wins that division I have questions about the Dolphins too. I don't really see either of those teams um, winning the Super Bowl. Maybe one of them can come out of the AFC, but it's going to be tough to knock off the Chiefs with how well they're playing. Um, Eagles look great as well on the NFC side of things. Um, Eagles or Chiefs right now? Who, who do you think looks better after the first uh, after their first seven games? Uh, that's an interesting question because I would say Philadelphia probably looks better, but if you're going to ask me who I would put my money down on or who I would pick to to win it, I mean, I'm always going to go back Patrick Mahomes before I back any other quarterback. Kansas City looked really good against the Chargers. I think that Philadelphia looked as good against Miami. Um, Kansas City has tended to be a little bit of a slow starter the past couple years, so I don't think that they ever really hit their stride until November or December. Um, and I'm pretty sure Andy Reid has like an insane record. I think it's an insane record in the month of December. I could be wrong, uh, but looking, right. both looking pretty good. The Eagles a little bit better right now, but I mean, I'd still put I'd still put my faith in my stock in the Chiefs before any team in the NFL. As long as you got 15 over there and Taylor Swift in your corner now. I'm in the same mindset of you. I, I am in that mindset for a different reason. Um, I think. Philly has some cracks. Uh, Hertz hasn't looked quite as great this year. Um, maybe he's been, I think it's possible. He's just been trying to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe just forcing some more throws, trying to make things happen. Um, which I mean, they've had some kind of plug and play things going on at running back. I know Swift has been great um, for them, but it's, 
like they had Gainwell one week uh, and somebody else another week early on in the season. Um, the Chiefs, though, Kelsey, Tate, Tate, T Swift's got him playing out of his mind right now. Mahomes, you mean Taylor great Swift's as- boyfriend? Taylor Swift's boyfriend. Don't even get me started, man. Um, <laughs> I uh, I love some of their young players that they're getting going to. Pacheco's been really good so far this year. Rasheed Rice has looked great the last couple of weeks. I just made a trade for him in fantasy. He wasn't the main part of that deal. But, um, yeah, man, I, I think the Chiefs are going to keep on getting better. Um, another story about that game against the Chargers. Are the Chargers supposed to look this bad? They're 2-4 and four right now, and – They got shut out in the second half of that game against the chiefs. Herbert has been really up and down. He has, he's had some plays that have cost them a couple of games. I, I don't know if more blame falls on him or on Brandon Staley as a head coach. Um, I think it's more likely they make a change from Staley before Herbert. And that's something I've kind of hinted at a little bit last week with Belichick, maybe ending up out there as a, as a next coaching destination. I'm not, this isn't me rehashing my Belichick to the chargers idea, but um, if they keep struggling, I, I don't think Staley's going to have a job for very much longer because they on paper should be a much better team than two and four, even with Mike Williams out. Oh yeah. I mean, Mike Williams isn't like the make or break, you know, you don't, you don't, with no disrespect to Mike Williams, you don't go back at the beginning of the season and say, Oh, if Mike Williams, you know, didn't get hurt for the rest of the year, this charger team would have been, you know, a Super Bowl contender. He's a good player, but he's not, he's not that level of player. I think Herbert's playing below his typical level of play. And I do think Brandon Staley, I think that this is, this is, this is it. I mean, if he he can't produce a team that can at least make a run in the playoffs, I think he's gone. You've got somebody that I know that there's been some questions about Justin Herbert. I, I think it's always been the, a little bit unfair, the criticism over the I past agree. couple of years of him. He's put up a lot of stats and I even saw coming into this year that the Chargers offense has scored the most points since he's taken over at quarterback, but the defense for the chargers has also given up the most points since he's taken over a quarterback. So he's always, he's always involved in a lot of high scoring games and he's not playing defense himself. Granted, as I mentioned, he's not playing his best ball this year, but I still think he's a franchise quarterback. And if you're a head coach who isn't able to get a single playoff win with a franchise quarterback, I think you got to look yourself in the mirror and I think that um, you got to realize that you're the reason why. And I think that the Chargers front office will do that after the end of the year, if their season continues on the same trajectory that it's on so far. I think that could be a decision they come to during the season. Honestly. I mean, um, they got to play the chiefs again. They've got a few games back to back here against the bears and jets that they should win. If they lose either of those games and the front office feels really bad about it, I could see them being quick triggered towards the rest of the year. I mean, if you start out two and five, two and six, that's a deep hole to climb out of, especially when you're sharing a division with the likes of the Kansas City Chiefs and with how competitive the AFC looks as a whole so far this year. They're already on the outside looking in. Yeah, I think I think this game against Chicago should be a win, even though uh, my apologies if I get the name wrong. Tyson Badgett, I believe it's T-Bag. 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 <laughs> a, uh, a former D2 quarterback who has a loss to the Colorado School of Mines on his collegiate record, but he's 1-0 in the NFL, so credit to him. Wow. Um, Good for him. Good for you, Tyler. I think that they'll get the win this week against them. 
I'm I'm not too high on Chicago, but I'm not counting that game against the Jets as an automatic win. The Jets found a way to beat Philly. Uh, they also found a way to beat Buffalo in week one. They're able to win games just solely based on their defense. And we've talked about Herbert's early season struggles so far this year. You can mix in just a little bit of timely play from Zach Wilson. I think that that's a recipe for the Jets to find a way to win uh, against the Chargers. I was hating on Zach Wilson a lot the first couple of weeks. And, and I still don't think he should be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but there are times where I, like I watch him play the last couple of weeks and he doesn't look too much worse than some of the other quarterbacks that are still starting games. I know Daniel Jones is hurt right now. He's not playing games, but like Tyrod looks better than Daniel. Uh, Zach Wilson doesn't look too much worse than him. If not about the same, maybe even a little bit better. Um, the quarterback situation around the league is really weird right now with, with Deshaun Watson. He can't play a whole game healthy. It seems like PJ Walker is probably going to start again for the Browns this week. Um, it's just all over the place. Kyler Murray though, supposedly may be uh, coming back. He practiced fully for the first time with the Cardinals today. So it looks like uh, Arizona is going to be ramping him up. Um, another team that suffered a, a loss this week that was a little bit surprising, the San Francisco 49ers losing 22 to 17 on Monday night football. Uh, of course, Brock Purdy after the game, it was made aware that he suffered a concussion during the game. Once he suffered the concussion on that, uh, QB sneak play, I think he was, uh, like two for six or something like that. After that, both of his picks he threw, um, after that, uh, concussion as well. Um, that's not an excuse, um, but I, I think it could point to maybe why that was the case. Now Sam Darnold supposedly is going to be stepping in for the Niners. Uh, Debo is still hurt. Um, Niners uh, have a rough, rough couple of weeks. Um, they don't, they don't have any easy games coming up either. They've got a stretch of playing the Bengals, the Jaguars, the Buccaneers at home is probably the easy game on this list. And then you have the Eagles on the road sandwiched between two Seahawks games. So this is like the real meat and potatoes of their schedule coming up. They don't have a healthy team by any means. Uh, I'm not saying they're in deep trouble. They're still going to be around come playoff time, but they're fighting through some stuff right now for sure. Definitely. I, the injury bug always seems to hit the 49ers. I don't know what it is, but uh, yeah. And it's starting to hit them these past couple weeks after they were relatively injury free, for the first four or five weeks of the season. This might be tough to believe just how they've looked the past couple of weeks. I still think they are the best team in the NFC for with sure. a fully healthy roster. For sure. You know, Devo Samuel was out in that game Monday night. I don't know if Christian McCaffrey was 100%. I know he still produced with two touchdowns. I thought that they were throwing the ball a ton in the first half. And I don't know if maybe that's, a you know, trying to stay away and limit his touches to a degree. I know he was playing playing with some protective padding for that oblique injury that he picked up against Cleveland. Let's keep in mind that, you know, if Jake Moody hits a field goal in Cleveland the week before they would, would have been undefeated coming into this week. They would have, that Minnesota loss would have been the only loss. Maybe if Brock Purdy doesn't pick up that concussion, they find a way to win and they could be six and zero, and we could still be talking about them as the, the top dog, but not the case. Coulda, shoulda, woulda. I still like them fully healthy. If they get all those guys back, McCaffrey, Ayuk looks really good too. Mm. Debo Samuel, he mix in Fred Warner on defense. 
I think it's overall a well-rounded roster, but you're right. It's a tough schedule that they got coming up. Um, some other news and notes from around the league. Alvin Kamara coming back into the fold for the New Orleans Saints. Uh, the Saints suffered a loss to the Jacksonville Jaguars in that Thursday night game, uh, which we talked a little bit about earlier. But Kamara looked great. Um, the AFC South and the NFC South both look like well, the AFC South is a little bit easier to predict. The Jags definitely look like the top team in that division. The Texans are three and three, and the Colts uh, are three and four. The Texans and the Colts are both a little frisky. I don't think either. I don't think any team in the league necessarily loves playing those teams right now. Um, I mean, officiating goes a different way in that Colts-Browns game. The Colts' record might be different, um, but ultimately, the, the NFC South. That's an absolute dumpster fire of a division. I, you were talking a little bit about it earlier. Um, I have no idea who's coming out of that of that group of four because neither of those teams are perfect. Neither of those teams are especially good. I think the biggest strength of any of those teams would be either the Falcons' running game or just the Saints' overall versatility on offense, but. Like I said last week, I think Carr really holds them back. I, I'm not a fan of his. Uh, I think he's over the hill. Uh, it's just going to show itself more um, the more the season goes on, the more he plays over the next couple of years. Um, but the Falcons, man, I I, I mentioned Ritter earlier. I'm going to bring up his stats because I want to do more of a dive on this. I could see them being a team that trades for a quarterback if they're really trying to compete this year. I know they just drafted Ritter a couple years ago, but um, he was in this previous game. He had no touchdowns, no interceptions, 250 yards, 76% completion uh, percentage in that game. It was actually maybe one of his better games as a pro, um, all things considered. So this might be some unfair criticism, but he's also cost them a couple of games. He had three picks and a loss at home against the commanders uh, in week six. And then in week four, he had two picks and a loss at home against the Jaguars. So he's their biggest weakness to me right now. Um, if they really want to make a change, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I think they'd have to get pushed a little bit further towards that direction. Like they would need to have another, really bad showing from him or maybe just like win a couple of more games and, and some quarterback gets made available. But um, I like some things about their team. If they had someone, I like, even if you flipped Derek Carr for Ritter, I think like, are they that much different teams overall? Like I the felt the saints probably have a better defense um, more talented. Defense it's interesting that you say that. It's interesting like they, that you say that about, about the Falcons defense. Take a wild guess uh, who the top three teams are in opponent yards per game. In opponent yards per game. Yep. Well, it's not going to be the Browns anymore after they just gave up 500 yards plus. No, it still is. It's, really? It's They're still, still up there. Yeah. They're still I, second. I would guess probably them. They're actually Cleveland's actually still number one in opponent yards per game, according to teamrankings.com. Are the Ravens in there in the top yep, three? They are. Good and one. then the Falcons are third. Falcons are third in opponent yards per game. And really? Ninth. Yep. And they're ninth in scoring defense. I heard these stats today on wow. 93.7 on 93.7, the fan uh, in Pittsburgh. 
Pittsburgh when because they were comparing the Steelers and the Falcons today because those were the two teams I brought up that have winning records but have a negative point differential despite having a winning record. Right. The Falcons defense is kind of sneaky. I you are right, Desmond Ritter is is largely unproven, but I thought that was a perfect thing to bring up. I don't know that the Saints defense is better than the Falcons. And I think everybody had uh, New Orleans pegged as the winner of this division because they had enough weapons on offense. Derek Carr was a serviceable enough quarterback and they had a really good defense. Now you throw into question, well, they might not be the best defense in the NFC South anymore. Atlanta's got some weapons on offense. It's just a matter of utilizing them. You got B. John Robinson. Drake London is starting to come into his own as a receiver. Kyle Pitts is Kyle Pitts. He's had an up and down NFL career. But Johnny Smith has been a great secondary option at tight ends. Yeah. Yeah, he has. So Atlanta's the team right now. But like I said, this is going to flip-flop. This is going to flip-flop plenty of times, man. We'll we'll talk on the pod next week. I guarantee we'll be talking about a different team. Yeah, and I mean, we're not even talking about the Bucs either, who I feel like we hailed last week. And then they have that disappointing loss to the Falcons. Uh, Baker on the injury report for back-to-back weeks um that doesn't help uh the bucks case to to get back on the in the win column next week uh who do the bucks play next week the bucks uh play the bills on the road next week tomorrow yeah uh tomorrow night that's right so um buffalo is gonna be looking for a bounce back game that's got a buffalo win written all over it honestly um sneak preview to our best bets of the week uh next up on our list um this is gonna be our final nfl overall topic um i kind of hinted at this a little bit earlier i'm trying to look at the nfc wildcard teams right now so going back over um our current division standings for the nfc as it currently stands of course the philadelphia eagles best record right now uh in the nfc at six and one they're in the lead in the NFC East. You've got the Lions at five and two in the North, followed by the Falcons at four and three in the South, and then the Niners at five and two in the West. The next couple teams that come in uh, after those four in the standings right now are the Cowboys and the Seahawks at four and two. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time on those. I think both of us see both of those teams as as playoff teams come the end of the year, right? More or less. Cowboys def. Cowboys definitely. Seahawks probably probably what what do you think holds them back is it if i had to pick something i think it would be gino for me yeah i i I, like gino is starting to do this long enough now where we can't just say oh it's a flash in the pan for sure he had 30 plus touchdowns last year he's got them off to a solid five and or four and two start they've already had their bye this year i mean they're a game and a half above the rams I'm just not, I'm not guaranteeing them a spot here on, they don't have enough of a track record for me to guarantee them a spot here going into week eight. That's fair. That's that's all I'm saying. That's fair. Um, You look at the teams after those six though, you've got uh, the Bucks at three and three. We just talked about them. Neither of us are like really sold on them. And then you've got a bunch of teams at three and four that are just like gross to think about playing in early January. I mean, the commanders, I don't want to see Sam Howell get sacked a dozen times on a one o'clock Saturday game. Do you? Uh, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm happy to admit that I watched zero snaps of the Giants <laughs> commanders game. 
Oh my gosh. I yeah. toggled through Sunday ticket and I never went to that game and I couldn't be more happy. Couldn't bring myself to do it. I tried and I couldn't do it. Um, the Vikings at three and four, I think could be a sneaky pick. Um, Kirk getting them that primetime win against the Niners probably saved their season. If they lose that game with Justin Jefferson hurt, they might go full tank mode. Um, the Vikings aren't dead. And, um, I don't hate their team. The Packers and the Bears have not had great starts to the year. The Packers, of course, they started out 2-0. Since then, they've it's been all downhill. Uh, they've lost three straight. Um, so I guess they started out 1-2. My apologies to, to Mr. Rob Bordier uh, and all other Packers fans. But um, you've got the Vikings at 3-4, and four, the Saints at 3-4, and four, the Rams at 3-4, and four, the Commanders at 3-4. and four. The, the Rams have to be the – pick out of those four teams to to be the best at at the moment certainly for me at least that just from what i saw playing against your steelers team that's a frisky frisky team they're well coached we know that they've got a healthy cup now puka is a fantastic second option maybe one of the best in the league even though he's a rookie uh their running game it seems like it doesn't matter who's getting touches for them they're they're gonna get yards they're gonna move the ball um, the saints maybe, but we just talked about how they scare us a little bit. I, I don't know. I feel like regardless with seven teams in the playoffs, we're going to get some obvious weakest link there. Do you think you can make a strong case for any of those other teams I mentioned to step over the Rams or, or to take that spot instead? Minnesota is the team I would make a case for. Um, they had a very good record in one score games last year. It was one of the reasons why they were 13 and four. This year, they started off, uh, I believe, all four of their losses. All four of their losses are by one score. Six points to the Eagles, three to Tampa Bay, four to the Chargers, and a touchdown loss to Kansas City. So I think that they were getting a little bit lucky last year, and they weren't as good as their record. And I think they're getting a little bit unlucky this year. It's kind of evening out the law of averages. So I don't think that they're quite as bad as the three and four record. You touched on it with two other teams in their division that are really struggling right now in Chicago and green Bay that they still have going forward. Let me give you the schedule going forward for them. And you let me know what you think their record will be like in the next six to seven games. So what they're three and four right now, right? They're three and four right now. Okay. So they've got green. They're at green Bay, which is a road divisional game. I'll admit. And then they're at Atlanta, the next two. And we talked about how good Atlanta's defense is. Right. And they're home, home to new Orleans at Denver, home to Chicago, at Las Vegas. Mm. I think that I think you could see them in a four and two stretch in there. Personally. Yeah, the, the tricky part is they end two of their last three games of the year against the Lions. They play Detroit in week 16 and 18. Um, and they they have the Bengals in week 15. Yeah, they got a game against Cincy thrown in there too. So they have a they have a real gauntlet the last four games of the season. It, it helps that three of those four games are um, three of those four games. It looks like are going to be at uh, no half those games are going to be at home. So you got the lions and the Packers at home. Um, and reports are that Justin Jefferson might be back a little bit sooner than people thought. I think week 10 is the first week he can come back. I don't know if he'll be back that week. I think that they've done enough now to kind of table the notion that they would just shut them down for the rest of the year. Right. I think that they're going think to be good enough. Either. Yeah. I think that they're going to be good enough now where they're not going to trade them and they're not going to shut them down. And I think that'll be huge. I, I 
And Kirk's playing pretty well. Kirk's yeah. playing pretty well right now. So Minnesota's the team, if I had to peg one that is on the outside looking in, I think that could make that jump. Yeah, and uh, the absence of, of Jefferson has given guys like uh, Osborne and, and Addison opportunities to to shine and, and show they can play, which is only going to give Kirk more faith in them as second and third options when uh, Jettas is, is back in the lineup. So um, that's a pretty good point there. I, I I don't hate the Vikings. That's probably who I would lean towards. I, I partly want to say the Saints a little bit more because I, I do really love their weapons. Kamara looks great coming back, and I think they're going to keep getting him the ball, figuring out a way to get him more involved in the offense. He's their best player offensively far and away. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see how that works out. Um, the NFL trade deadline is right around the corner. Uh, it's that it's not next week. Is it? It's the week after, if I'm not mistaken, it's Tuesday, Tuesday of next week. So it's, it's Halloween at Halloween like night. four o'clock or something, some, some weird time in the middle of the day. So they'll have this week, It'll be interesting to see if anybody goes on the move uh, in the next couple of days um, or if the teams that are looking to deal some of their players are just trying to showcase who they got before they they trade them away. So uh, we've got a little game here called should I stay or should I go? The rules are pretty simple. Paul, I'm going to give you uh, a couple players to choose from here. Uh, simply put, you just say whether or not you think they're going to get uh, moved before the deadline or whether or not they'll stay put with their current team uh, bonus points. If you choose to um, uh, if you pick a team for that player to, to get moved to. So I'm going to start with probably one of the bigger names uh, on this list. We're going to start with none other than Mr. Derek Henry and Deandre Hopkins. We're going to loop those two together since they're both playing for the Titans. Okay, so I'll I want to touch on Derrick Henry first. I'm gonna say yes, Derrick Henry goes. That seems to be a certainty at this point. I'm gonna pick his team. So the favorite, according to Vegas right now, is Buffalo uh, at plus two fifty or something like that. And then Kansas City is shortly behind. I'm gonna say that Baltimore trades for him. They've got Ooh. the injury to J.K. Dobbins at the beginning of the year. They're kind of in a committee right now with Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. You know it's an offense that loves to run the ball, and it's a legit contender right now. So I say Derrick Henry is on the move, and he goes to Baltimore. I like that pick a lot. I like that pick a lot. Okay. What about uh, Hopkins? DeAndre Hopkins, I don't know as much. I don't really know exactly what he's going to demand. I'm going to say that he stays right now to try to help. I think they're going to start Will Levis, the quarterback. They've got an interesting quarterback situation between Malik Willis and Will Levis. Neither Malik Willis hasn't really shown much in his limited time in the NFL, getting beat out by Josh Dobbs at the end of last year in a do or die game that would have sent them to the playoffs had they beaten Jacksonville. So he hasn't really shown much clearly to the coaching staff there. They're going to try Will Levis this week. I think that they're going to keep Hopkins around to try to help at least provide some sort of target for whichever young quarterback they try to ride with. Uh, next up, we've got another running back from the New York Jets, Mr. Dalvin Cook. I got Dalvin Cook staying in New York. Uh, for me, you got Brees Hall coming off an ACL injury from last year. Running backs get hurt as much or more than any position in the NFL. I think you need a solid backup. 
And given Brees Hall has a little bit of an injury history already, I think that they're going to want to hold on to Cook for depth purposes. And couple that with the fact that the Jets are right in the mix. They're three and three. They beat the Eagles last week or two weeks ago. They were on their bye last week. So they're right in the hunt for a playoff spot. I do not see them selling at the deadline. Certainly not Dalvin Cook. Okay. Okay. Um, I, I think you make some good points there. I, I could see him. I could see him getting moved. I could see uh, New York looking to pick up maybe somebody else in his place, but you make some great points. Uh, I think he'll probably stay as well. Uh, Trent Brown, offensive tackle for the New England Patriots. How about you do this one, Patrick, since you're since you're a relative Patriots fan? Um, I don't think he will get moved. I think the position that Bill has always valued uh, the most has been offensive line historically. Um, I would be surprised if we saw him go, especially considering how thin the offensive line has been already for the Patriots. Trent Brown has been the lone bright spot. He's actually graded out as the best uh, left tackle in football uh, through the first seven weeks of the season. So uh, if somebody ends up moving for him, it's going to take a lot. Um, so that could maybe give some incentive for Bill. If somebody gives up the right uh, package of picks and whatnot, but uh, I don't believe so. I think he's staying in New England and he might get extended as well after this year, actually. Um, next up, we're going to go with uh, Chase Young, edge rusher from the Washington Commanders. I say yes, Chase Young will be on the move just based on everything I've been hearing. I think that it's going to be a, a package deal with Montez Sweat. I think mm -hmm. that this Washington team still kind of has quite a few holes uh, on offense. I don't think that anybody really shines out to me in terms of their their pass catching game or in their running back game. And then they're still kind of up in the air about what they're doing at quarterback. So there's a lot of things that they have to address on the offensive side of the ball. Um, they're going to need draft picks to do that. I think that they can utilize Chase Young and Montez Sweat as um, options to get some draft capital. I have actually heard the Steelers thrown out as a rumor to, to trade for Chase Young. I don't think that would make a lot of sense. So I don't have an actual team to to lock down for Chase Young, especially considering that uh, our edge rushers are the strength of our team already. But I will say, yes, Chase Young will be on the move. I'm on the flip side there. I think um, if the commanders can find a way to be uh, competitive just for one more weekend, which they might, um, you never know. I don't know. The commanders have never struck me as great decision makers. Um, we've got Snyder's gone now, though. So that's that's fair. They got new ownership. Uh, I'm going to give you one more. We're going to go with Brian Burns, uh, the star edge defender from the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. So personally, if I were a Panthers fan or if I was in the Panthers front office, I would not be looking to move him because he's 25. He's coming off of his best statistical season. Um, but I think that for that same reason, uh, he had 12 and a half sacks last year. He's got four or five so far this year. I think that that is uh, a big chip that they hold in their hand and that they can use for more draft capital. They've got their franchise quarterback of the future. And consider the fact that the Chicago Bears own their first round pick for next year because of the trade that they had with Chicago uh, to trade up to get Bryce Young. So they need to supplement it. They're a little bit weak on the draft capital side right now. And I think that Brian Burns is a perfect option or chip to push to get some of that back. So I say that he will be on the move. I don't have a, a, a team for you on that one, but I, I think the Panthers will deal. I know plenty of Panthers fans who would be extremely unhappy if that move uh, is made. It seems like Noah uh, Sprinkle. 
No, well, more than just Noah. I know of a lot of local folks who um really just questioning the decisions the organization has made the last couple of years. It seems like they've traded away a lot of fan favorites. Um, even though you've got Bryce Young there, the number one overall pick from this past year, um, there isn't. I don't know. It's it's tough. Um, C.J. Stroud doing as well as he has so far in Houston uh, makes makes some folks in Charlotte reconsider for some things. I think. Um, well, that does it for should I stay or should I go? We've got some more topics coming up for you all in just one moment. Uh, Paul and I are going to take a quick break, and then we're going to go over uh, last week's fantasy football results with the commish himself. Uh, so like I said, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. And welcome back one more time to the Fifth and Long Podcast. Uh, Patrick DeMar, Paul Kashak here, the commissioner for our favorite segment of talking about our fantasy football league that we're both part of. Paul is the commissioner of, of course, that's how he gets his nickname. Um, for anyone who's just tuning into the podcast or who's unfamiliar with our show, with our fantasy league, we have a fantasy football league of 24 players, uh, two leagues of 12. Um, what happens with that is essentially the regular season ends a week early. We've got our playoff system after that. Uh, six teams make playoffs for each league. The conference champion will face each other in the Super Bowl for all intents and purposes, and you can't have common players. Um, so uh, it's not like we're drafting from uh, all the same. It's not like 24 teams are all drafting from the same pool. But uh, we've had some pretty crazy results from last week. Uh, Paul, where, where do you want to start? You want to start in the Club Garnet side of things or the Club Black side of things? I'll kick things off in Club Garnet. Um I'll touch on everybody's matchup. I'll, I'll give some matchups a little bit more highlight and, and talk about some teams I think that are on the rise a little bit more so than others. And I think the perfect team to start off this discussion with is Brendan Hurtfeld's team pitch jug men. Uh, that's, that's his name. I think after he saw uh, some sort of image or meme with uh, this, this guy dressed up in a piss jug men uh, costume, he switched his team name to it. He's rattled off three of his last four, if I'm correct. He's won three in a row, actually. Four of his last five, it would be. And he got his third win in a row this past weekend against yours truly, the commish. So he beat me 124 to 100. The two guys I really want to highlight on his team that are starting to click on all cylinders. Jalen Hurts looked pretty good in that matchup against Miami. Had three total touchdowns. He's uh, providing... Nice fantasy points, both through the air and on the ground. Him and A.J. Brown are starting to really pick that connection back up from last year. But ultimately, the difference in this game was Travis Kelsey. Travis Kelsey had a second straight game in which he had 100 yards in the first half. Pretty ridiculous. Finished with 12 catches for 179 yards and a touchdown. So that amounted to 31.9 fantasy points for Brendan uh, I had some duds on my side. Calvin Ridley with just one point, uh, big one to highlight there to a, a down day, uh, as we kind of talked about in that Philadelphia Miami game. So Brendan's red hot. He's four and three. I'm four and three as well. Uh, but he's actually passed me in points the past couple of weeks. He shot up all the way from the very bottom of the power ranking. So shout out to him. Shout out to uh, Herd, as I call him, as he climbs into I believe fourth in in Club Garnet. Lube's Paradise, our friend Luke Carlson, a.k.a. <laughs> Lube. Um, don't ask how he got the name. 
just know that that's what we call him. Uh, his team has had some ups and downs so far this year, but he got a win against Cam. Uh, and Cam, if you're listening to this podcast, you need to change your team name. I don't like it when your team name is just team your last name. Okay. His team name is just team body. I'm not going to talk too much on these matchups because they're, these are two teams on the outside of the playoff picture as we speak right now. I think uh, Lube would have at least an extra win on his resume if he didn't start Mac Jones every week. But for some <laughs> reason, he he trots Mac Jones out there week in and week out. Someone talk but, to him. Uh, I can talk. Yeah, to him. but this is a good this is a good team actually. I I think that people don't really talk about. It. He's got Saquon Barkley back from injury, Isaiah Pacheco, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, who I gave some love to last week on the podcast. So big fan of him. Let's see where he sits in the standings right now. He is currently, he is the second team on the outside of the playoff picture. So he's three and four. So he's only a game back. So he's hanging in there. All right. Let's go to our next matchup. Forgive me a second. It's going to be Nons versus Lamb. So Nons has rattled off. What is it? Aki Nons. In a row. Yeah. Nons is six and one on the year. So he is second only to EJ. He's won five in a row. Uh, Lamb, to my knowledge, set his lineup. He doesn't always set his lineup. He's currently lost five in a row. Final. Don't forget to set your lineups, folks. Yeah, don't forget to set those lineups. Uh, final on this one was 117 to 90. Uh, Nods has really picked things up lately. He was able to get this win also with Jamar Chase on by. So big for him right there. Travis Etienne has been a huge hitter. For Nance's team, I think a, a large reason why he's been able to pull out some of these victories. So ETN's been great in fantasy this year. He's he's been stellar. Yeah, big touchdown machine too. Uh, you know, he catches and catches passes out of the backfield, and then also obviously does his work on the ground. But he's great around the goal line too, and they go to him a lot. So super reliable for Jacksonville for sure. Yeah. Uh, after a devastating loss to EJ that we mentioned on the podcast last week, uh, Bob whose team name is Team Sucks Ass. Forgive my, pardon my French, because he was one in five coming into this match. He got the win, 105 to 65 over Aaron the Squad, a.k.a. Himothy. And uh, I don't really, uh, Aaron's team, this is tough to look at. I uh, just got to say, 65 points. He had a big fat donut from Zach Evans, who I guess he thought was going to get some touches against the Steelers, he was one of the Rams running backs. Um, 65 points, still not the worst overall in the league. <laughs> no, no, still not still not the worst. We did have we had a couple low scores though this week, that was for sure. Uh good win for Bob. He gets to uh, uh two and five. Aaron falls to two and five. These two teams had a lot of past success uh, in the league, but neither one looks too strong this year. We'll see if they can turn it around. As we go forward, Bob's big hitter, by the way, was uh, was AJ Brown with 26 points. So shout out there, big reason why he got the dub. It kind of seems like Club Garnet has that like top three group of teams. Oh yeah, you you could even further it into just the top two, who I'm going to touch on right now. So I mentioned Nons at six and one, still undefeated somehow at seven and zero oh, is EJ. EJ Mastronardi is 7-0. He got a 103-101 to victory over Chris Bender this past week. EJ's team name is Najee Harris. For anybody who doesn't know the backstory on that, EJ drafted Najee Harris pretty early last year. Very down year for Najee. 
EJ takes this very seriously and I love it. And he can get extremely frustrated if a player's not performing. Uh, you should see the text in our group chat after B. John Robinson wasn't getting any touches last week. It was quite hilarious. So he has a vendetta against Najee Harris, like for all time now. And so Personal his team vendetta. name is Najee Harris, but it's really, it's really a dig on Najee. So, <laughs> and he was going up against Chris's team. Who's the drafting crooner. I believe that's a playoff of uh, Tim Robinson's skits uh, on Netflix. Those are hilarious, by the way. If you guys do get a good uh, chance, go check them out. 103 to 101. The only thing I really want to mention in terms of the actual scoring of this game is the co- defenses for both teams combined to score negative 10. Chris had negative seven out of the Detroit Lions defense. And EJ had a five-point lead with uh, going into Monday Night Football, and Chris had nobody to play. And EJ still had his San Francisco defense in there, who had negative three. So they almost, almost did so bad where they cost him the game. But he was able to hold on by just a smidgen and improve to seven and oh. One on, it by a hair. Very close. Very one close. by a hair. That's back-to-back matchups now. He's won by the... Uh, the skin of his teeth. Hey, sometimes Last, it goes that way. Honestly, luck is a thing in fantasy. It's it's been that way for EJ this year. I I, I have to say, I mean, his team is good. Don't get me wrong, but like the ball has bounced his way a ton. You yeah. don't get to be seven and zero in fantasy without a little bit of luck, right? Just because of the variance week in and week out. But credit to him. I mean, like EJ's pretty much already in the playoffs if you think about it, because you're gonna have. Six out of the 12 teams make it. He's guaranteed himself a winning record. So probably needs like one more win to just be 100% safe. But uh, he's going to be playing in the postseason this year. That's for sure. Now he's just got to go for that bye week. Final matchup. Uh, I'll touch on this one real quick. Uh, the Nat. Yeah, absolutely. Final matchup, Natty Splats. I mentioned them as uh, one of my favorite teams in Club Garnet last week because of their points four. Not a huge day for Parnell's squad, but he got the win 101 to 86 over Wade's injured reserve squad. Josh Allen, the big hitter here for Parnell as he led all scores. Um, Wade had a good day out of Alvin Kamara, down day out of Raheem Mostert, who's usually a big hitter for him. I have Wade coming up this week. Wade is currently the last team in the Club Club, Club Garnet playoff picture if the playoffs were to start today. I'm the five seed if it were to start today. So pretty big matchup right there in the middle of the standings between the two of us. Uh, I know that you don't get to see as much of Club Garnet, Patrick. Any thoughts on the rundown that I've just given right now? Um, I, I did touch on it a minute ago. It kind of seems like you have your, like, strong group of teams. Um, uh, the Natty Splats as well. I, I still have some, uh, some not necessarily favoritism towards, but I, I'm never counting Patty Parnell out with his team. Um, but Nod's got a great group. EJ's got a great group. Um, my only advice to EJ as a former uh, unbeaten team for a few weeks, um, don't let your foot off the gas pedal because uh, it can really just snowball into a, a three-game losing streak or even worse, quickly. So um, my only advice to, to that side of things would be if you're at the top of the standings right now, keep stacking those wins up get yourself that bye week because that is going to be crucial at the end of the year, saving yourself a week of stressing about fantasy football worries and whatnot. Um, no, I don't really have anything else to add as far as club Garnet goes. Um, always cool just to, to hear about what's going on on the other side of the league. Um, 
I, I know it's pretty much impossible to do, but interleague play at some point would be incredible. But again, I, I don't know how you make that happen without uh, it's, I looked, it's an idea. I, I looked at a different platform. I, I didn't go through with it. It would have been a little bit too difficult to pull off this year, but there is a platform out there that I saw, I forget the name of it, where you can at least set up the like the championship game at the end of the year between the top two teams of each league. Right. You can set it up. So it's a real actual matchup. Mm. Um, okay. It's something that I'll explore down the road. It's yeah. not something we're going to be able to do this year. Interleague play would be cool. That, that would be, that'd be something it's on the docket. Don't worry about it. Uh, are we going into club black now? Yeah. 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 You want to uh, kick things off with some things that caught your eye. I certainly have some opinions here as well, but uh, with you being in club black, uh, I'll, I'll give you the floor first on this one. Well, I, I'll try to go off what I think is, is going to be how you go about things. Um, despite what the standings may say, I think the hottest story in our league right now is going to be none other than John McAuliffe's AKA hallways, uh, Hershey squirts. Uh, the squirts right now are on a streak of, uh, quite a few wins in a row. I Five believe. in a row. Five in a row. Yeah. They started Five off. Yes, two. Uh, they got to get a win. They got a win against my team not too long ago as well. Uh, Hallways team had 138 points this week. That was the high in our league. Um, leading his squad, he had uh, Travis Etienne, uh, or no, part of me, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> the wrong Travis, uh, with 32 points almost, 31.9. He, al- he also has um, Jalen Hurts and, and AJ Brown. I think that duo. In the league, having both those guys on your team, that's really difficult to to top right now because oh, yeah. it's almost impossible to – I feel like it's it's not impossible, but I'm not trying to reverse jinx you right now, Hallway, either. But um, for both of those guys to have a bad game, something really needs to go wrong with the Eagles, and they are just such a talented team. It's You don't really see that happening. Um, Noah Sprinkle fell in that matchup, tough – tough loss for him he's one game behind me uh, in the standings he's the first team looking uh, from the outside in in terms of our playoff standings right now um we also a good day for him too yeah he, he had, had a great yeah 138 122 final there i mean hallway just a little bit too much to overcome but Sprinks let's, not, has uh, had, let's not take away from Sprinks. no he's had bad luck like that like all year too where he scored a lot of points and, and the other guy he's played has just scored more um, he's got a good team, guys like St. Brown and, and ETN uh, and some others as well. Uh, Eckler, who, who's been on and off um, the injury report. Jerome Ford is a co- solid player for him. He even has Kareem Hunt on his bench. And Tajay Spears, who could end up becoming Tennessee's starting running back in like two weeks. Um, the other teams I'm really looking at right now, uh, Hold My Day Balls, Tim Item, uh, the former treasurer. Uh, much to your chagrin, Paul, of course, uh, got, got it a, over it. <laughs> he got a narrow four point win over, uh, Cooper Myers, Malinger's, uh, the matzo ballers, uh, 114.4 to 110.26. Um, Josh Allen throws one more interception in that game, which he almost did. Tim probably loses last week, but, uh, Mark Andrews came through with 20 points for him, really helping out his team. Um, Tim's got a great group. He just has an array of running backs that he can throw at you with Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Saquon Barkley. His wide receiver group is a little bit weak, especially with Debo Samuel hurt. 
Uh, KJ Osborne has looked great while Justin Jefferson has been away, but once Jefferson comes back, you can't really count on that. So I would say that, um, I, I don't know. I, I think Tim's got a great team and, and his team's going to be competitive, uh, for sure. The rest of the way, I've got a big matchup again against him this week, which, uh, I very much so would like to win if, if possible. Uh, if possible. Yeah, Tim's clicking right now. Uh, I, I think that addition of Jonathan Taylor is going to be huge. That Taylor looked the best that he has since he's returned. He also had the most carries and touches in that game against Cleveland, who's good defense, and he produced anyway. So super encouraging there uh, that Indianapolis' offense, one, is going to give him the ball, and that, two, they don't look inept uh, going to Gardner Minshew as opposed to Anthony Richardson. So I think that's massive. And then you got Saquon Barkley back as well, who just recently came back from injury. So he's got basically those two guys starting to hit stride right now. You alluded to it. A little bit of a down day from DeAndre Swift. It's one hell of a running back room that he's got. So um, I think he's picking up steam. Absolutely. Um, Tim, number one in the standings, the Hershey Squirts, who we mentioned first, they're tied for second right now with our next team. Uh, Fields of Dreams from Colin McCulloch, uh, named after Justin Fields, currently on the IRR for Colin's squad. Uh, They nearly doubled Joe Tartaglia's point total in this uh, club black game. Joe's had a rough uh, introduction to the league. Um, I kind of see what he's doing with his team. He's got some guys in his group that are like potential, um, potential risers, I guess you could say. Uh, Bijan basically not playing last week really killed Joe. But even if Bijan played and had a great game, he wouldn't have been able to overcome Collins 112 and a half points. Um, Collins got a great group. Uh, he, he's got Puka and Stefan Diggs and Tyree Hill. Um, with Hill being questionable for the next couple, uh, for at least for this week, um, that leads me to, to wonder what might happen with him next. Uh, Colin was also involved in some trades um, after last weekend, which we'll talk more a little bit about later. Um, but he's got a good group. He's not going away. Um, Colin and I have the most uh, transactions made in our league by quite a bit as well. So Colin's always got his finger on the pulse of the league, adding guys that he think can make a difference for his group. Um, you can't forget about him for sure. Uh, full Chubb, Mr. James Konopinski, pleasure playing you, sir. Thanks for the loss. Beat me 82.98 to 58.46. Yes, I, I didn't crack 60 points for the second week in a row. Yes, I had the lowest points scored in the league for the second week in a row. Could you, could you say that a little bit louder? I'm sure when Jason listens to this, he'll want to put <laughs> it on repeat. Uh, yeah, it's, it's rough right now in long Island. The T-Bags have had a, a, an abysmal three weeks after a hot start. Certainly the last couple uh, scoring not even a hundred, or I think just over a hundred points over two weeks. It's pretty, um, there's a reason why I traded like half my team away. I'll put it to you that way. Um, Again, I'll get more into that later, but I don't have anything to add about my team. If you see any silver linings with my group right now, uh, later we can get into it. Um, otherwise, I think for Kano is a win he should have had against my team last week. Um, he's got uh, another game this coming week. Uh, pardon me, coming up uh, in our week eight fixture for Mr. James Konopinski. He's going to be playing none other then the Hershey squirts. So that's a really big matchup between two, five and two teams, uh, kind of, a not necessarily a grudge match, but like that sort of feels like it could be a future playoff 
matchup possibly um, and could really dictate seeding placement later on in the year. So that's a game I'm, I'm looking at just for just for this week. Um, we also had Jason's Walmart Broncos pick up a huge win over Feed Pollard. Um, Hunter Forsyth got some uh, great performances, mostly from from Alvin Kamara, who came back with over 23 points. But um, Jason's got a great group right now. Patty Mahomes with 30 plus points. Uh, Dante Foreman with 31 and a half points, like literally out of nowhere, just off the scrap heap. Give me 30 points. Thank you, Dante Foreman. I would love to have that problem in my backfield right now. Um, <laughs> we also had um, Zach, Zach Smith, my former roommate, coming up with a 97.72 to 92.64 win against Team Delay. Um, Zach's got a sneaky group right now, actually. Um, He's got Kirk Cousins, who's a top 10 point scorer at quarterback, I think top five or six. Um, he's got George Pickens, uh, George Kittle, Derek Henry, um, CD Lamb. I, I don't hate his team. He, he just started off slow at the beginning of the year with a few losses. Um, Adam Thielen as well on that Adam bench. Thielen. And uh, you mentioned Derrick Henry and CeeDee Lamb. At Derrick Henry, CeeDee Lamb, and Adam Thielen all had buys. Now, granted, he didn't like have a huge day at 97 points, but uh, hell of a job to get a win with that many buys. I mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty impressive when you can still find a way to scrap and claw for, for a W. Yeah, bad start for him, but, I mean, it's still way too early to, to give up hope on the season and a playoff push. It's a big win to get here, and uh, we'll see what he does going forward. Yeah, I mean, you said it. He basically played without three of his four best players and still got a week. So things are looking up for, for Zach, possibly. Um, looking ahead to some of next week matchups, I mentioned uh, Hallway and Kano will face off. Uh, the other game I'm, like, really looking at, I mean, I, I need to get a win against him, just me personally. I, I feel like for my own sanity, uh, it would – make me feel a lot better going into the second half of the season. If I could get uh, one win and, and not lose four in a row, but I've, I've got an uphill battle. Um, I really, that's, that's the marquee matchup of the week. It's going to be um, hallway and Kano. I don't know what the club Garnet slate looks like, but um, the Hershey squirts and, and full chub um, some great names matching up in that that fixture as well honestly very very fitting very fitting guys great job yeah that was that that was my favorite matchup there as well uh battle two five and two teams with some some past league success i'll run through a couple of matchups on the club garden side coming up this week that i think are, are noteworthy and then uh we really got to talk about what went down on the trade blocking club black before we we uh transition off of the fantasy topic so uh i mentioned a matchup between myself and Wade. Uh, we're currently the five and six seeds of the playoffs were to start today. So a nice kind of pivotal matchup in the uh, the middle of the standings there. We're both coming off losses. Uh, both of our teams looking to right the ship and get a W. After that, I am looking at a big, big matchup between EJ and the Natty Splats. So Najee Harris battles the Natty Splats here. So EJ is 7-0, and as we mentioned before, and Parnell carries uh, the most points in, in club. Garnet looks like a prime candidate for EJ to lose his first matchup here, but 
I've been saying that for a couple of weeks now, and considering that the podcast is kind of a jinx, I'm sure EJ should love it, and he'll probably go to 8 No. Uh, but we'll see that matchup will kick off tomorrow. Uh, Josh Allen, as we mentioned for the Natty Splats, the Bills are going to play tomorrow. So we're already get a sense of how that thing is going to get going then. And uh, EJ's got James Cook uh, in the Buffalo backfield on uh, tomorrow as well. So that thing will already get going on Thursday night. I got that matchup as my matchup of the week in Club Garnet. 7-0 Najee Harris against 4-3 and Natty Splats. That's a good one. I've got the Splats. Small spots. I got I got him too, which means EJ's probably going to eight now. <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, yeah. Um, yeah, let's talk about this trades, these trades. Um, should we start? I feel that like we crazy, have to man. Say, historic day. We had in one uh six hour period in total, there were uh eight, uh twelve, um Oh my gosh, so many names. Um, okay, in total, we had 14 different players traded over, well, I guess, 13 different players traded over three different trades. So it started out with a move I made on my team. I, uh, We've got Hunter Forsyth in our league who has his team named uh, Feed Pollard in honor of Tony Pollard, one of his favorite players from his uh, Dallas Cowboys team. He, he supports, um, Hunter reached out to me a few weeks ago about getting Tony Pollard and I declined at that time. I wanted to hold on to Pollard for a few weeks. Um, I thought about holding on to Pollard again this time around, uh, just because he was on a bye week He didn't hurt my team last week, but I needed to make some changes with my group. I really liked what Alvin Kamara did last week. I feel like he could be a difference maker and a consistent one at that. I like what Rasheed Rice is doing. I feel like he's got some upside and could possibly reach another level of production this year as well. Um, I didn't mind giving up Tyler Lockett or the Cowboys defense or Latavius Murray or Curtis Samuel, really. Um, what was your immediate reaction? To how do you trade? say Tyler Lockett's name? Lockett. You say it Lockett? Is that how you actually pronounce it? Or is that now, how it's supposed to be pronounced? That's how I say it. I might be saying it incorrectly. That's just how I say it. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's Lockett, but it's a small thing. But I was just wondering if that's one of those things that where the world pronounces it wrong, but you knew the correct pronunciation. I don't know. I'm I'm gonna look that up. Not right now, but later. <laughs> um yeah. yeah, what was your immediate reaction to seeing that deal go through? Um just the just the amount of bodies. Uh it's crazy. It's tough to judge a trade because of that, because you hit this time of the year and there's depth plays such a key part in fantasy success, right? Yeah. You got buys as you get deeper into the year, you got injuries. So yeah, Hunter is acquiring more depth than that, but we talked about this guy a little bit earlier and I really did want to highlight him. I knew that this trade was going to come up. Rasheed Rice for the chiefs, I think is starting to evolve into that, uh, top receiver role. Obviously, you have Travis Kelsey there as the as the go to guy. He's the tight end, but then they need somebody else after Travis Kelsey to start to step up. And Rasheed Rice, rookie out of SMU, is starting to be that guy. So I think that that could be a very very sneaky add in your deal. I really liked you getting him thrown in there as well. I don't really see Latavius Murray factoring in too much in this trade. Uh, Buffalo Bills are rumored to be one of the teams looking after Derrick Henry as well. Would really devalue Latavius Murray if Henry would be on the move there. 
I don't really care too much about the Cowboys defense. But Tony Pollard, I do think that we haven't seen the best of Tony Pollard yet. He's also coming off a bye. That's one thing I wanted to say as well with so many trades. And if you're listening out there and trying to look to get an edge in your fantasy league, whatever it may be, a small tip that can put you over the top or at least give you a slight edge to your competition, try to target team, target players on opposing teams who have already had their buy. And conversely, try to give away or look to trade away players that are still yet to have a buy on your team. Just can be a very subtle thing where now you can avoid avoid a buy at a certain position. So, for example, here, Tony Pollard just had his buy last week. Now Hunter gets him, doesn't have to worry about a buy. I'm not sure if he traded away somebody who still hasn't had a buy yet, but it's a very small thing that can give you a slight edge over some of the managers in your league. All in all, Patrick, I mean... I think time's only going to tell on this one. The sheer number of bodies could work out for Hunter. I like the quality of the guys you got more. Alvin Kamara's having a really good year. Devontae Smith, I hate to say it, he kind of feels like a throwaway in this deal, the way he's been playing lately, but maybe that'll change. Well, it's funny you say that because uh, only, I mean, Literally within the hour of me acquiring Devontae Smith, I flipped him, traded him away for Christian Kirk. Uh, so that was really the smallest deal of the day. See, there, so were so, there were so many deals I could, there's so many deals I couldn't even keep up with it. My apologies. No, you're good. It was, I mean, it was a one for one, like just after everything else that processed. Uh, in between those deals, another pretty big move uh, was made. And, and this one, I think, probably made more waves in our league because of who was involved. Uh, so feed Pollard, the team I previously traded with, uh, decided uh, to acquire none other than Sir Jalen Waddled and Mr. Chuba Hubbard from the Carolina Panthers in exchange for Curtis Samuel, who Hunter just acquired for myself, and Justin Jefferson. So Justin Jefferson, who's hurt for another couple of weeks, goes to Jason's Walmart Broncos, who already had Jamar Chase and Cooper Cup in their wide receiver group. Uh and then Justin gets back Jalen Waddle or Hunter gets back Jalen Waddle, who could end up being the number one wide receiver in Miami for a week, maybe more with Tyreek Hill sidelines. Uh, and Shuba Hubbard, who has been splitting touches with Miles Sanders. And, and when Sanders was hurt in Carolina, did a great job filling it, filling in, excuse me. Uh, Curtis Samuels got some upside as well for Jason's group. Jason's building a juggernaut and he's got high po point totals in each of his last few games. Um, when Jefferson comes back, that three headed monster of him, chase and cup together, as long as all three of them can stay healthy is going to be really tough to beat. Um, so I think everybody else in the league was sort of had like a, Oh crap moment when we saw that, at least I did for a second. Like I didn't understand what the repercussions of my move were going to be. <laughs> and then I saw it and I was like, well, I guess I'll go get Christian Kirk. <laughs> like that'll make a difference. <laughs> he He's playing chess, not checkers, man. I, I give Jason a lot of credit that uh, he keeps pulling these trades off year in and year out. I don't I don't know exactly how, but he always finds someone to make a deal with. Now, I mean, let's keep in mind, Justin Jefferson is out for this week upcoming and definitely the following week. His uh, earliest week of return would be week 10. So Jason is going to have to wait a little bit to, to play him, but he's got a winning record right now. As you alluded to, he's racking up some good point totals. 
He's looking like a team that's poised for the postseason here. And Justin Jefferson should be back by then. So extremely, extremely lethal. I don't know, man. I, I don't know. Jason's done this kind of year in and year out, and he's stacked his squads. It hasn't really helped him come playoff time because, as I talked about, he's made the – I actually have a correction from last week on the pod. I said he'd made it five out of six years. This is the league's sixth year. So he made it four out of the previous five. If he makes it this year, it will be five out of six. But in all of those playoff appearances, he only has one playoff win. He's only ever won one playoff game. So he's choked in the biggest moments. So we'll see if he can overcome that here. You're right. That is probably the most lethal receiving core when healthy that I've ever seen in fantasy. But credit to him for finding a way. And he also, on top of that, has Patrick Mahomes. So, like, you've got three. Oh, yeah, that guy. You've got three number one wide receivers and Patrick Mahomes. Like you think he finds a imagine if he got Kelsey too. I mean, I know that I know that Hallway has Kelsey. He'd never he's get got, well, he's got TJ Hawkinson. Hawkinson's no slouch. Hawkinson's a top four tight end in the league, fantasy wise, probably. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he's ranked fourth exactly right now. So I mean his his weakest group right now is his running backs, which uh Daryl Henderson Jr. is on there. He looked at pretty decent last week. He's got Foreman who had like 35 points last week or something. Um yeah, I Jason's going to figure out a way to make his team competitive. And he's loving that we spent this much time talking about his, his squad right now, for sure, as well. Uh, Jason, yeah. credit, man. Keep making he's those moves. Yeah, he's, he's earned it. it. Now, trade me Jamar Chase for Keenan Allen. Uh, anyways. Um, <laughs> uh, Paul, we've got our final segment coming up. Unless you want to hit on any last things for fantasy. Is there anything else you want to bring to the attention of our, of our league or any viewers who are interested? Apologize to everybody for not putting a league manager note out there this week, a little bit too busy with work. Wanted to make sure that we touched on things here in the podcast. Um, I think that we gave a pretty comprehensive league overview but it's we're at the halfway point now, man. We're just a little bit past it. So it's crunch time. Best of luck to everybody going forward. A lot of managerial moves going out there. Buys are upon us. Injuries. Time to buck up. That's all I got to say. There we go. Words of advice from the commissioner himself. Uh, Paul, we got uh, we're taking a trip to the casino this weekend, and, and I really need to fit out, figure out my betting sheet. Um, what picks should I put on my on my bet slip for this coming weekend? What what are you looking at? All right, let me school you, Patrick. I got four bets that really stand out. I apologize to our listeners and viewers last week when I wasn't prepared looking at the college football slate, hadn't done enough research on it, uh, and therefore wasn't able to give you any any college football picks. That is my best sport, I believe. Not that I exactly win at any of them, but I think that that is my best one year in and year out. So I got four picks coming to you. I got three in the Pac-12 and one in the Big Ten. But let's start with that game in the Big Ten. I'm going to bet against Ohio State coming up this week. I like a little bit of a letdown spot here after the win against Penn State last week. Wisconsin is getting 14 and a half points at home. So they're 14 and a half point underdogs at home. I love that half point being in Wisconsin's favor. They tend to play more. 
games kind of muck it up and i think this could be a low a low scoring game guys after that win against the nittany lions now let's head to the pack 12 utah plus six and a half at home against oregon is a team i'm targeting here utah looks really really good to me they're coming off a win against southern cal and i know oregon's very good fits last week or excuse me utah gave caleb williams of southern cal fits last week I certainly think that they can force a couple turnovers here against the Ducks and Bo Nix. Early looking on the Action Network, which is the sports betting app that I use when I'm looking in and researching lines before I actually go ahead and place my bets. Early indications uh, show a lot of bets on Oregon. 71% of the public is backing the Ducks right now, but that line has not budged from six and a half points. So we're not seeing any huge action come in on the Ducks yet. We like to fade the public. It's one of my strategies. So Utah fits that bill this week. I would love to see that line get to seven. So it's not a bet I would go ahead and place right now. See if that line can go up to seven even. Obviously huge to target significant numbers in football. You know, the threes, sevens, tens, et cetera. Other game in the Pac-12 and a team I just mentioned is Southern Cal. They are 10.5-point favorites at California. Uh, they have not looked good the past couple of weeks, and I think that this line is a little bit lower than it should be because of that. They've had two bad performances against Notre Dame and Utah back-to-back. -back. I think this is a get-right spot for them and one where Caleb Williams could just explode and remind everybody why he is such a highly-rated prospect. So like Southern Cal 10.5, I think they could blow him out of the water. And then our final matchup that I want to highlight is Arizona plus three and a half home against Oregon State. Oregon State, a very good team, but the Wildcats have looked really good against tough competition. Only lost by a touchdown to Washington this year. Absolutely blew Washington State's doors off last week. And Washington State's a team that beat Oregon State earlier in the year. I do love the Beavs. I love what they're doing. Uh, DJ Uyagalale, if I pronounce that correct. Seems to be having a better year there than he did with Clemson, which I love to see, you know, screw Clemson. But I think that the Wildcats are in a good spot right here. And I like the three and a half, a three of being another one of those significant numbers in football. So those four, I got Utah, Southern Cal, Wisconsin, Arizona. Those are my picks for the week. I love it. Love the picks. I've got one more to add on the NFL side of things. I am yet again running with your Pittsburgh Steelers, Paul. They're uh, plus. Let's see it, baby. They're plus two week. and a half at home against the Jags this week. I don't understand how they're not favored at home. I know the Jags had a great start to the year, but um, I think that works in your favor. I could see you guys um, ending the Jaguars undefeated road start to the season. We'll see if that happens. Uh, ladies, gentlemen, friends of the podcast, thanks for tuning in this week. It's been a pleasure. Uh, we're going to have some NBA stuff coming up for you uh, midweek or maybe this weekend uh, coming up in the next few days. So be on the lookout for that. In the meantime, best of luck this weekend in fantasy or otherwise on the betting boards, what have you. Hopefully we didn't jinx anybody this week. Paul, Kamish, you got anything to say? Nope. Happy to be here. Happy to talk sports with you, Patrick. Best of luck to everybody this week. Appreciate you, sir. For Paul Kashak, I'm Patrick Kamara. You're welcome, man. To the Fifth and Long Podcast, anytime you like, folks. Have a wonderful rest of your night, and thank you. Take it easy. Take it easy.